Welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 198. I am your host, Brian Williams. I'm Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we are discussing Voyager's second season episodes, Innocence, The Thaw, and Tuvix. Here we go. Innocence, Season 2, Episode 22, Production Code 138, Original Air Date, April 8, 1996, Directed by James L. Conway, Story by Anthony Williams, Teleplay by Lisa Klink, Music Composed by Jay Chataway. Guest cast include Marnie McPhail as Alcia, Tiffany Taubman as Tressa, Sarah Rain as Alani, Taj D. Mowry as Corin, and Richard Guerin as Ensign Bennett. <laughs> Tuvok crash lands on a moon alongside Ensign Bennett. Bennett does not survive, and his remains are stored in a containment field in the damaged shuttle. Tuvok discovers three children, Tressa, Elena, and Corin. They tell him the craft they were on also crashed, killing the adults. They convince him the other members of their race, the Darvians, mean to do them harm. Tuvok helps the children elude a search party. Later, when the danger passes, they behave like normal children would, getting into things they should not and asking crazy questions of Tuvok while he tries to contact Voyager. We have to hide, Tuvok. You can't let them find us here. I don't understand. I thought you wanted to go home. They won't take us home. They're the ones who made us come here. For what purpose? They sent us here to die. Steve, kick us off on Innocence. Yes. Um, well, um, I think there's some, I think it's fun to see the, um, it's kind of one of these, you know, where you have, it's a, obviously the setup is designed to be humorous with Tuvok and his, uh, Vulcan discipline and so on. And then, um, that crew children. member that dies at the beginning. I didn't think <laughs> it was very funny, but, <laughs> um, but that, yeah, that was a good scene, though, given how what Tuvok did and said, and you know, clearly he's um, he has experience in such matters and knows how to smooth things over. But yeah, with the kids, you know, obviously there's there's the humor involved. I mean, some of it's kind of cliched, I guess. You know, you kind of know what's going to happen. Him making statements that you don't even know if they're even understanding what he's saying, let alone able to uh, comply with his uh, with his discipline disciplinary techniques um i mean i think there's times it's it can be kind of slow this episode um you know it's kind of a mystery thing like what's going on but um i don't know no i don't recall when i saw it the first time if i really was like oh my gosh what kind of awful things are they doing to their these children that we're going to find out about, you know, but, um, seeing it now, knowing it, I, I still don't remember. I don't still remember thinking that there, there's some horrific thing going on where they're killing their children. I don't know. So I don't know if there's, if they're trying to make some kind of mysterious horror background thing to it, you know, and what's going on. But I don't know if I really felt that. Um, so yeah, I, I, there are some fun, fun moments, but I think there's some, some, a pacing issue sometimes that's kind of my take on it adam your first thoughts yeah i would say they're pretty similar to steve um it's a solid episode i mean it's it's interesting to see you know first contact um how that kind of works out new species i mean obviously i i like the scene between janeway and jacote early on in the show where they're talking about their first experiences with first contact um interesting stories from them both 
Um, so first contact stories are always usually interesting. Um, again, as Steve said, it's interesting to see Tuvok and his logic interacting with um, rambunctious children. It's um, it's amusing and yeah, it's a it's an interesting um, mystery of like what's going on. I, I kind of remembered about a third of the way in, and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I remember these these children are actually dying or dead or something like that. You kind of realize something weird is kind of going on, um, and you don't, you know. Obviously, if you've seen it before, you know what's going on. But first time through, it can be like what you know, are, like Steve said, are they these children actually being killed? What's going on? You know. So um, overall, I found it to be a solid episode. I agree. It feels kind of slow at times. It's got enough going for it that I like. I think I was probably a little more impressed with it, you know, twenty years ago. But I think the uh, child actors are actually pretty good, which that's not something we say often. It's hard enough to get one good one, but I thought all three were pretty good. Yeah, I think so, too. That helped the episode. It's amazing how fast Tuvok's singing puts those kids to sleep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could, I could use that. I thought about you know, the recording of that. And... Yeah, well, honestly, it made me think that he had like a hypo spray we didn't see or something. Right, right. Yeah. He's just it. pretty slick with it. Or maybe just administered a little Vulcan pinch, you know? I thought it was funny that like... The what are the, what's the species Dre Dreans? They come down looking for them, you know, and the kids are like hide us, Tuvok, hide us, and he's hiding them, and they're watching. And these people, why are they walking around with weapons drawn? Aren't they're looking for these children that are actually you know old people or whatever? But why why are they walking around with weapons? I realize it reinforces the uh, concept to Tuvok, and so yes, I need to hide these kids, but. Yeah, it's kind of a cheat, cheat in a way to to keep us want, thinking that there really is a threat. And but yeah, that doesn't doesn't really hold up to scrutiny, you know. Uh, yeah, there'd yeah. be it'd be more like everyone's just you know hands open and talking softly and being kind. You'd think, <laughs> yeah. So it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe shouting the kids' names or mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of silly. Yeah, I, I don't know that the the the, the scenes that make this episode worth it are all the scenes where Tuvok is being like a dad. Mm-hmm. How he teaches or disciplines or reacts to these children. And there's like a, he has like a respect for them, but still a, a patience with them being illogical or emotional or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that stuff makes that, those scenes make the episode worth it. Like the scene when he's, when he's working on stuff and the kids are running around and he sits them down and mm-hmm. all those, all those moments are the stuff that I liked in this episode that make it worthwhile for me personally. I like the, um, I like the scene with the, with the, uh, the girl that was not the one that made it all the way through the episode, but the one where, you know, trying to understand his concept of feeling and what he describes it. And she tells him, uh, I think they miss you too. And all that. I like that. Yeah. Cause in retrospect, also you almost, at least you seem to sense that maybe there's a little bit of wisdom in that child that it's not, you know, is beyond what her apparent years are. Yeah. And you know, that the girl that does make it all the way through when, when we, when she says something about she's 96 years old, you know, the, the kid doesn't deny it or anything she does a pretty good job for a little kid of like when she says to like, like you see that age in her just a smidge, just enough to, to make it work. 
Mm-hmm. You know, she says something to Tuvok about you remind me of my, I don't know, grandson or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess it could be that they were bringing it back, bringing you know, reminding her of these things and stuff. Eh. Uh, what's this episode about? Hmm. <laughs> well, oh, it's I about. Thought... I mean, it's also it's about dying. I mean, in the end, you know, it's about um, coming to coming to terms with death, and you know, um, the death isn't the end. It's just kind of the beginning of a new something new. Um, so I kind of think they touch on that at the very end. Yeah, I think it's the yeah in the in the obviously exaggerated here because it's sci-fi, but that that kind of notion of the commonalities of how helpless one can become, you know, in later years, and how um, how similar that is to how children are helpless in in some respects, you know. To, in this story to such an extent that you can't tell the difference. I mean, you know, I felt like there should have been, I felt like there was something, something in here about respecting different cultures and stuff. Uh, yeah. you know, yeah. Jane, Jane way and the crew, they very quickly naturally, but they, they make certain assumptions and they don't ask certain questions. Now, maybe the Drayans should have offered up a little more information, right? right. but yeah, I was kind of thinking if that, planet was so sacred what well that was the thing that kind of confused me so i mean if they're such a secretive race why are they letting voyager hop around on their moons or these close planets in the system and then why don't they have some sort of warning on this sacred planet that they shouldn't be there nobody should go down there right it's a fine line that that they're interested enough to even engage with the voyager crew yet private enough to not reveal the nature of what's going on so they can kind of carry us along with it but yeah it, it's at times it doesn't make a great deal of sense but yeah i can i can see that notion that the things aren't what they seem and to um you know pause before judging because you may not know what's going on yeah all right let's do six degrees for innocence not 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 the greatest title right pretty generic like who hears this title and oh, that's the one with the little kids? <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, Steve, are you going first or second? I'll go first. Marnie McPhail plays Alsha, the Drayan leader that should probably have explained stuff to Janeway a little sooner and saved everyone a lot of trouble. In which Star Trek film does she play Lieutenant Iger, an engineer that gets killed early on in a Jeffries tube? Mm, probably first contact. You are correct. First contact. Adam, uh, this question is just to make us all feel old. Name the current age of any of the three actors that played the children in this episode. <laughs> Their current age? Mm-hmm. I'll give you three guesses. Because that's a... <laughs> um, let's see. 23? <laughs> I don't know. 33? Getting close. Um, 36. Uh, 30 and 32. Okay. Yep, so we should all feel old now. Right, right. <laughs> Those kids are in their 30s. All right. Uh, uh, you know what? 33. I'm, that's so close. I'm giving it to you. One to one. Moving on. <laughs> no worries.
The Thaw, Season 2, Episode 23, Production Code 139, Original Air Date, April 29, 1996, Directed by Marvin B. Rush, Story by Richard Gottes, Teleplay by Joe Minoski, Music Composed by David Bell. Guest cast include Michael McKean as The Clown, Thomas Copacci as Biorsa, Carol Stroykin as Spectre, Tony Carlin as Cole Physician, Shannon O'Hurley as Cole Programmer, and Patty Maloney as Woman. Voyager discovers a planet that was the site of a recent major ecological disaster. The crew finds a set of stasis pods containing five of the aliens. Two are dead from heart attacks and the other three who should have been released four years ago from stasis. As the planet has recovered from disaster, Captain Janeway decides to release the other three, but the crew find it impossible to wake them. Their brains are tied to a central computer connecting all the pods. Taurus and Harry Kim volunteer to occupy the other pods and be connected to the central computer. I know you came here to get them and take them away. But if you do that, we'll all disappear. Disappear? Because your character is created by this program. And once their minds stop interacting with the system, you won't exist anymore. Ah, see the technical mind at work. Adam, kick us off on The Thaw. The Thaw. It's an interesting um, episode. I'm being trapped in a computer by fear, by your own fears, by your own things that you create emotionally. You know, I kind of kind of guess we'll get into this towards the end of the episode where we talk about what this is about but i mean you know it's kind of like a manifest manifestation of um the things that you think about the realities that go on inside your head and they manifest outside um in a real reality that's kind of what this episode's about i kind of found that interesting um oh my gosh who's um spinal tap guy what is his name michael mckeon michael mckeon is great in this um he plays a great villain. Very, um, you know. First off, he's he's a clown in a in a manner of speaking. So that's just scary enough on its own. Um, so the scenes are great with him, um, Harry Blana. Obviously, um, towards the end, you know, when Janeway tricks him into giving up all the hostages, that's a that's probably my favorite scene of the whole episode because it kind of built up to that where she um, actually defeated him. So um, I really enjoyed this episode. It's a it's a fascinating concept on how our fears and emotions um, manifest into reality. I remember this episode very well. I remember how, how unique it felt at the time. Uh, and I still think it feels that way. It's not as unique, but it really did. I mean, it was pretty unforgettable at the time. I think there are elements of it that maybe feel a little dated now that you know, you wouldn't have realized we're going <laughs> to uh, age so poorly. Like uh, the 90s Cirque du Soleil people with the scary synthesizer music. I mean, that really feels dated to me. Right, right. But there are definitely enough good ideas in here. And yeah, Michael McKeon always sells it. If you imagine somebody else playing that, uh, I can see how the whole show wouldn't have worked. Mm-hmm. 
if you have any doubt about it being so unique and stuff, by the time it gets to the very end, and I mean like the closing seconds of the episode, I mean, that's crazy unique. Uh, definitely unlike anything else. Really kind of bold, some bold choices there too, with it just going quiet to black. So maybe not as uh, amazing as an episode as I once thought, but still good and still has enough going for it. Steve? Yeah, I, I, th- I think I agree with pretty much everything that's been said. Um, it is one of those that's good enough to just, we speak of it and we already speak about what it's about. Um, and I agree with the, the, the elements that seem dated, although it's, it's the kind of dated stuff that I think is dated because we remember it so well. I don't know if it'll be as dated in 50 years or something, just because it's such a product of something that's in our collective memories. Um, it may not be dated to someone who never lived the nineties. I'm not sure, but, um, so yeah, but I think, I think, I think it's quite good and it's interesting. I mean, there, um, I think, I think there are some kind of on the nose things said a lot, like things like, uh, nothing to fear, but fear itself and fear, 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 you know, I mean, that kind of stuff. We, we, I think we get it without all the direct, um, dialogue towards what's going on and what it's about. You know, I think it's, obvious regardless but i do and i do i, I think it is very memorable I, it is it's just right away i knew it i remember seeing it, i remember seeing it multiple times and i remember um feeling it was fairly horrific the notion of your imagination being able to give you a heart attack and kill you i mean that's I still that irks me you know <laughs> just thinking about that you know so um yeah it's quite interesting do you remember um i mean did it did it feel like stunt casting or anything at the time with Michael McKeon. I don't know. Maybe young people today don't know him. So he, I mean, he's still working and he's, mm-hmm. he's on that Breaking Bad spinoff. I remember, but mm. you know, definitely in the nineties, it felt like they were getting a, like a movie star on there on right. to me. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, stuff like spinal tap, but, or I guess we all remembered him most for, Laverne and Shirley, that'll really, really, really date us. It's not like I was watching Laverne and Shirley live, folks. I'm sure I was watching reruns, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think that you could have seen unless you're like a baby or something watching it. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't think it felt it didn't feel like stunt casting to me. I mean, he was known, but it didn't like strike me. Oh, it's like it's all about bringing in the viewers because they got him. I, you know, I, don't, I didn't feel that. But it did feel like a big deal to have him on this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like uh, I like giving the, finding something you know, for the doctor to do. It's all we're all, we're just biding time until he has his mobile emitter, folks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, that's nice. And it was a fun entrance when he comes in and everything just stops. You're holding you know? the scalpel wrong. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's pretty horrific, actually. That yeah, yeah, there. yeah. It makes you think of when he's the clouds going through his stuff about. When you were, whatever, I don't know, seven years old, you saw this and it scared you. You know, it's like, man, what if, if somebody could do that for me, what would they be choosing? Yikes. Right, right. When you were five and you heard there was no Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> Did it feel dated to you at all, Adam? Um, No, not really. I wouldn't say it's, it felt dated. I mean, you know, it's it's a 90s TV show, so I mean, it's 
the whole thing's dated to me in a weird way, but it just, it doesn't really, this never really bothered me that much. I mean, yeah, it's in a closed set and I'd say no, just overall no. We didn't talk about it for innocence, but uh, one of the downsides to that episode, which, you know, this is true for a lot of Star Trek, but it really felt like they were on a, you know, that woods were fake. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And here you've got, it's all just made up, so get away with a little more in the thaw. Yeah. What's the title getting at in this episode? Well, there's something like, I, you know, early on they're talking about this planet where the glaciers were receding and they were um, going to be released from this stasis when the planet was more livable again. I guess it's that and probably some double meaning with um, trying to break through one's fear or something, but yeah. So what's this episode about? Um, I kind of go back to what I said too early on in the podcast, you know, just um, how you you can manifest things in through, you know, through your fears or um, anxieties or negative emotions. Um, you can manifest those into real life. I mean, that's kind of what I got with this episode was trying to say. And then you got to over be able to overcome your own fear and be able to control that in a positive way. Yeah. I, mean, I think it's pretty much dead on that this, this thing is manifested out of just the collective anxieties of this group. And I think it might also have something to say then about collective hysteria and, you know, mass delusion too, you know, the, the crowd mentality and that kind of thing and what can result if, we lose our heads and just let that fear run away with itself. Yeah. Better or worse than you remembered it or the same. It was about the same to me. Yeah. About the same, but good. And you like it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's definitely. A good right. Let's do six degrees for the thaw one to one. Adam, are you going first or second? Um, I'll go first. Carl Striken plays the Spectre, the really tall brown guy with the big teeth. He played a recurring character on other Trek shows as Loxana Troy's assistant. Name his character. Oh, what was his character's name? Um, I'll give you a hint. Mr. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was about to say it was Mr. Something. Mm-hmm. Mr. I can pick up a heavy suitcase. I don't know. Steve? Was it uh, Mr. Holm? Yes, sir. Thomas Copacci plays Viorsa, the guy that the clown literally scares to death. He played the Enterprise B communications officer in which Trek film? Uh, Generations. Yes, sir. Steve has three. Adam has one. Moving on. Tuvix, Season 2, Episode 24, Production Code 140, Original Air Date, May 6, 1996, Directed by Cliff Bowl, Story by Andrew Shepard Price and Mark Gaberman, Teleplay by Kenneth Biller, Music Composed by Jay Chataway. Guest cast include Tom Wright as Tuvix, Simon Billig as Hogan, and Bonnie Turpin as Swin. Tuvok and Neelix are sent to collect biotanical samples from a discovered Class M planet. When beamed back aboard Voyager, the two men and the orchid they collected are merged at the molecular level to become a single life form. The life form names himself Tuvix. After ruling out a transporter malfunction, the crew discovers that when they rematerialized, 
The generic material of the alien orchids acted as a symbiogenic catalyst and it and the culprit for the combination of the two crew members. Unfortunately, the process cannot be reversed and Tuvix is, is accepted as a crew member. A name can have a significant effect upon a person's sense of identity. I've got it. What? Why don't you call me Nivak? Wait. This is better. How about Tuvix? I like this episode. I always have. I think it, if you break it down, it really doesn't sound that terribly unique for Star Trek, really. Uh, the basics of the story feel similar to things not just other Star Trek shows have done, but even Voyager has done. But what it does differently is so strikingly different that it's pretty worthwhile. And I like this episode, and I think it's pretty effective. There are definitely times when I wish they'd done a little more. I I had the thought, this is the first time I've ever had this thought watching this episode, but I had the thought watching it today that if they were making this episode today, <laughs> like uh, Kess would have like slept with Tuvix and then they would have, um, you know, s- split him back. And then she would have to like tell Neelix that she's like pregnant with Tuvok and Neelix and the plant's baby. <laughs> right? And all the recessive genes come through and it's this flower bud coming out. Yeah. Right? If they made it today, that's mm. what would have happened. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I like this episode. I really do. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, I, I really like it too. I, I, I agree with what you said. I think there obviously we can think of a number about of about the baby. Yes, that. I, I we can think about a number of episodes, um, similar ideas, but but not quite this. And they do it so well, and it really makes you think. I mean, it really makes you think. Um, I don't know on a metaphysical level. Um, and there are and there are practical things to this too. Obviously, you can't just take two people and merge them together, and you got you know this kind of thing. But but you can recognize that some, like the version of you now is different than the version of you however many years ago and dealing with how people interact with that, you know, you know, maybe people you haven't seen in a while or, you know, haven't known or the idea of people drifting apart. There's a lot of good relationship stuff here, you know, not only with Kess and the Tuvix and her struggles, but the... Uh, you know, getting some background with Janeway and Kess talking to each other too, and so on. But yeah, it, it's 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 really interesting and thought provoking. Um, and and the, and the idea, of course, in the end of you know how bizarre this is. You know that now you've got an individual who effectively ceases to exist when he's turned into the two, you know, back into the two individuals that it came from, but. Um, and I, th- I thought it was, I thought it was very effective how they turned, even though by nature, we're going to, we're going to side with the crew typically because they're the ones we've traveled all this way through. They do make you feel a lot of sympathy for him, even though he's for two Vicks, even though he's, you know, kind of just stand up like, no, I don't want to die and being really dramatic like this. And you're thinking, well, gosh, you know, I mean, what do you think would happen if they came up with a solution? You, uh, you feel for him because you, you know, you can't, I mean, it's impossible to know exactly what that would be like, but all of a sudden, 
you know, to, you know, be told, um, it'd be the equivalent of being told all of a sudden, like, no, we're going to, um, turn you into something that you're not. And that's just how it is. And there's nothing you can do about it, you know? Um, so yeah, I think it's really thought provoking and interesting. The implication at the end is that Neelix and Tuvok remember everything that happened, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, I would, I would assume so. I guess they didn't really address that directly, but yeah. Adam, your thoughts? Um, I have. I very much enjoyed this episode. I thought it, you know, like you too. I thought it was a unique way to. This is something you know. To me, I hadn't seen this in Star Trek before. You know, combining two characters in one. Um, so to me, that was unique. Um, the actor who played um, Tuvix was very good. He was able to combine pieces of both um, both characters um, seamlessly. So, I mean, that that had to be really interesting to write. That had to be direct and um, just act that out, you know, because you're, you're portraying two characters that are still on the show and probably still around the set somewhere. So you have to be respectful to their, you know, using their characters and their craft and that work and combining and all that thing. So it was a really, I found the performance to be, uh, be really good. And, you know, um, it's unique because, you know, we, we often say episodes aren't good if they're not about our main characters. And in a weird way, this is about a main character and then it's not because it's a completely different actor from, um, That's who plays, a good point. Who plays mm-hmm. Neelix and um, who plays Tuvok. So it's, um, yeah, I found it to be a very unique, very unique episode and a very um, interesting way to look into the dynamics and of these two characters the my my one i mean you know we can get it we can get into you know and it ends dark it's a very kind of has a very dark ending you know they end up having to you know i mean basically kill him um the one my one disappointment about the episode i would have liked to have had a scene with um tuvok and neelix at the end um we don't really ever get you know you, you mentioned this a second ago brian we don't really ever get what they knew and what they didn't know. But I mean, you know, that had to be a very personal experience for both of them. And then we never really hear about it again. I mean, the next time they have an episode together is when they're on what, on that space lift and they get into a fight and stuff like that. I kind of feel like this episode should have been the episode that kind of helped these two characters understand each other a lot more. Um, and that's what, that was my one disappointment about this episode is that we didn't, we didn't get that from those two characters within the context of this episode there's a there's a the implication and occasional acknowledgement that maybe tuvix is better than the sum of his parts that that neelix and tuvok have the potential to bring out the best in each other uh that's what would have been more it would have been interesting to explore more directly uh in future episodes or even just a conversation between tuvok and neelix and we don't get that mm-hmm I mean, they're very clear that, like, um, Tuvix, he's doing some, I don't know, something that, that Tuvok had said would take a long time, but using the Neelix half of himself, uh, Tuvix, you know, went with a hunch or something. And then, whatever, as a, as a cook, because he has Tuvok's scientific intellect or something, you know, maybe he was a little bit better of a cook or something. And that 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 would be an interesting dynamic for those two characters to acknowledge uh and they do not 
Yeah, and I and I get that within the context of this episode, maybe there to do it right, there maybe there's not time to address it now. But it would it would have been at least a good B story, you know, in a follow up, you know, this kind of you know yeah. just you know these seeing that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, but the, the way they did it, you know, I too would like to see that stuff too. But I do like the way it, it does feel very contained. It's and, it, and it's bizarrely not. It's not like so little to do with with Tuvok and Neelix in a way because you know they're at the top, they're at the end, and who cares? You know we so we see like their little interactions at the top. We see just kind of them interacting with crew members at the back. But yeah, this is a weird one because it is there is so much about Tuvix about this. But I guess you could also go a little further and say it's also though characterization for Janeway and Kess. You know, because you you see them relating to each other, having to deal with this. You get you. So there's a lot of Kess throughout the episode, and then by the end, there's a lot of Janeway because she she's having to make a hard choice, and this all wraps up in the the there's this you know, nice. Oh, you know, Neelix and Kess back together again at Tuvok. Oh, everyone's cool. And Janeway, it's dark for her. I mean, there's, it feels like an execution, you know, when they go through all that, it feels like they're walking to the gallows or whatever, you know, and she's dealing with this kind of idea of this and you see it in her, you know, she's, I think you see that what she's struggling with and how she's got to live with this now. Yeah. McGrew gives a really good performance. Those last couple of shots where she's walking through the Mm -hmm. corridor and you see her face. Very good. This episode also reminded me, you know, like you said, there's a lot of good Kess stuff too. There's a couple of really good Kess and Janeway scenes. And it reminded me, I really, I did like Jennifer, I think Jennifer Lean did a good job. I like the character of Kess at times, but mostly I like Jennifer Lean. Mm. And she brought something to the show that that was different enough from everyone else that it's gone when she leaves, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of this, this innocence and simple love or joy that no one else exhibits and that leaves the show when she leaves the show. And this is a good example of that. Yeah. Is this episode about, well, this episode's about a lot. It seems like, (laughs) (laughs) uh, what would you like to point out specifically? Well, we can, you know, we can wrestle with the, the question of what Janeway had to tend to go through. I mean, whose life is more important? You know, it, you know, it's defining life and individualism um, and making that um, impossible choice that she had to make um, at the end. Um, it's part of what's it about. That's part of what it is about. Um, I guess another thing you could talk, I mean, you know, there are, I guess with Tuvix specifically, there are, you know, you can say there are multifacets to everybody's personality is kind of what I got. And, you know, combining Neelix and Tuvok, who are two, two characters on extreme ends of the spectrum, can come together and um, blend into a character like that. It's kind of what I got. Yeah, I mean, I really, you could... I think it, it did it did a good job. It's one of these rare ones where I think you could talk about several weight kind of angles to look at it, and it's not that it, it tried to spread itself too thin, really, because you it's just the the route you choose to take in analyzing it, right? Because, like like you said, you know, you could talk about the notion of. Um, the, the the difficulty in making moral choices in any situation when you're talking about. Um, 
individual lives versus um, the, the individuals versus the collective's welfare, this kind of thing. You could also talk about um, the, um, the like kind of like what I alluded to early on was the notion of how and what you just said a moment ago, Adam, with the multifacets of personality, all these things come together. They, you know, parts of our personalities come and go and sometimes they come back and, and how we interact with others in that way. And, and the, the, the dynamics and difficulty of that. And there might also even be something here about the idea of um, working, you know, it's kind of a, it's kind of a positive take on bringing together different individuals and, and, you know, having, having a collective, that's that's better off because of it i mean you know because they they you know it wouldn't really worked but you know you could put tuvok and Milos together and come out with some pretty awful ideas too and what results that some kind of um annoying character that's also really intelligent and scheming and wants to wreck the ship because i don't know something crazy mm-hmm. but no that what they do is they make a a really a really likable character that can do great things. Well, that might be saying something too about, you know, people from different backgrounds and uh, being able to come together and make things better because of it. So yeah, I I think it's really good. Diversity makes us stronger. Mm. I personally think it's actually about if Tuvix and Kess have a baby, (laughs) (laughs) who's the father? Yeah. Then then they do a little spinoff show, you know, where it's, they're all under one roof, you know. <laughs> the the Tuvok, Neelix, yeah. Kiss, and the plant, and the baby. I want the talk show, the Springer <laughs> show episode. Where <laughs> <laughs> all right, Steve has three. Adam has one. Adam, are you going first or second? Um, I'll go second. Steve. Tom Wright plays Tuvix, the unholy combo of a Talaxian <laughs> and a Vulcan and a flower. He also played Grath, the Nazi alien leader in the episode Stormfront. This was season four of what Star Trek show? Mm, Enterprise. That was a little too easy, wasn't it? Adam, what series regular was originally considered to play the part of Tuvix? You can probably nail it down to one of two people. (laughs) (laughs) Kate Mulgrew. Um, original series. Um, series regular. Oh, um, series regular. I'm sorry. Repeat the question. I'm... See, you, d- you didn't get any of the jokes I just made. Clearly, <laughs> no, uh, no. what's <laughs> what series regular was originally considered to play the part of Tuvix? <laughs> now I get it. Jane Janeway would have been interesting. Um, series regular to play Tuvix. Um, and as I joked, you can probably nail it down to one of two actors. Um, it would have to be um, Neelix's character, right? or Neel- the actor who played Neelix, right? Tom yeah, Gillick. what's his name? Um, God bless America. I don't know. Steve. Ethan Phillips? Yes, sir. Uh, even if I give you the point, um, it's not enough to make up today's deficit, Adam. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, I'm glad they didn't use Ethan Phillips to play Tuvix right, because right. I don't think he could have really divorced himself enough from the Neelix side. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. And the Tom Wright guy, I remember at the time really thinking like, wow, this guy so nailed this combination of Tuvok and Neelix. You know, I remember thinking that at the time. Mm-hmm. 
folks, uh, next two two weeks from now, we are gonna our episode one ninety nine will be the we'll discuss the last two episodes of Voyager's second season. Two weeks after that, when we do episode two hundred, we are not gonna do our usual episode discussion. If you have any thoughts or ideas about anything you would like us to discuss during that 200th episode or anything that we could do, you can send those ideas to trekcompanion at gmail.com, or you can send us a tweet at trekcompanion or post it on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash trekcompanion. I have a couple of ideas, but I bet some of you listeners have better ideas than my crappy ideas. (laughs) So (laughs) please send them in and thank you for spending an hour with us. And until next time, take it easy. Bye guys. See ya. Fun, I passed it.